Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to live this out this morning. And through the rest of the week and the rest of our lives, that we would take great joy and encouragement at your word, at what you've done, what you've promised to do, and your ability to do it. Lord, use me now to speak your word, and use your word to encourage your people. Only in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, before we get started, we're, we're going to look at First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 3 through hopefully 5, maybe just 3. So I lied to Mike last week when I told him that I would have more verses than Dakota had. But maybe we'll get through them. Uh, before we start, I, we're going to look at the will of God and sanctification. And Dakota told you I would tell you what the will of God is for your life. And I will tell you only because God wor- God's word tells you. Um, but it may not be what you think it is. But before we get started, I I want to let you know that this is an extremely deep topic. So sanctification and the will of God can go so much deeper than I have time for today. Rachel can attest that as I was preparing, the sermon just kind of went like this, and then I couldn't bring it back in. So there there are men who have studied more and uh, more deeply than I could ever bring to you this morning. Uh, R.C. Sproul when he was alive, uh, did a study on God's will. He goes very deep. So for further study, if you want to know more about God's will, um, the way that Scripture talks about God's will, R.C. Sproul is a a good man to listen to. And then there's a book that Dakota recommended by David Platt called Just Do Something. And that is a very helpful book as well. So just a couple things for further study before we jump in. But let's go ahead and get to our text this morning. Um, first of all, we want to review so that we understand the context of what we're looking at this morning. So if you were here last week, you heard uh, the word of the Lord proclaimed quite clearly and quite wonderfully. But let's uh, go back and just remind ourselves what was said so that we can understand the context of what we're going to look at this morning. So in verse 1 of chapter 4, uh, you'll see Paul say, finally then brothers. So you remember that Dakota pointed out Paul is setting their identity in Christ. And he's done this already at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. He, uh, in verse 4 of chapter 1, he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And then he goes on to explain why he knows that, and it is their response to the gospel. Uh, You see that in chapter 2, verse 13 as well. Um, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. So he's reminding them before he moves on to this very important verse of their identity in Christ. And that's important for us, too, as we study what the will of God is for us and we understand what sanctification is, that we understand that Paul has set the context for those who are in Christ. So this is only for brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not telling the world that they will be sanctified. He's telling Christians in Thessalonians, which or in Thessalonica, which um, then uh, comes to us as well because we are brothers and sisters in the faith. Uh, so moving on here, in the rest of verse 1, he reminds them of the instructions that they gave to them. And then in verse 2, uh, 
he says that they were given through the Lord Jesus. So, again, context is key because without context, it can lead to bad theology and bad doctrine, and then you can impose your own ideas onto the text. So, for instance, if we just started in verse 3 and we didn't have verses 1 and 2, we wouldn't know whose authority Paul was writing this under. Because last week, Dakota pointed out, Paul is not writing these things under his authority. Paul will stop in his letters and say, now, I'm not speaking this under the authority of Jesus. I'm telling you based on my experience or my wisdom or through prayer or whatever it may be. He does that for us when he's just giving you advice by his, by his standard. But usually, normally, you will see Paul tie together verses under the authority of Jesus. And this is going to be big because if we're talking about the will of God, we want to know what God has said about it, not what man has said about it. So I, I did just say that Paul is tying together things, and the reason I know that is because of the beginning of verse 3. So if you look at the beginning of verse 3, you see the word for. This is an indicating word, and I've talked about this, and I think Dakota's talked about this as well. There, there are words in Scripture that should cause us to pause and make sure that we understand what has been said so that we can understand what will be said. Uh, the word for here is, is doing a function for us, so it's saying... What I said before is because of what I'm about to say. So let's read the verse, the first part of verse 3 here. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Again, so important that we understand that this is for Christians and that this is under the authority of Jesus. Because as we're going to look at sanctification, he's not promising the world that they will be made holy they will be made like Christ. He's promising Christians. So, some of you are probably thinking, well, that's not what I thought you were going to talk about. When Dakota said you were going to tell me the will of God for my life, I assumed you would say something about where I should work or who I should marry, maybe a job I should leave, where I should move to, what church I should be in. But God doesn't do that in his word. He doesn't tell us specifically who we should marry, which would be impressive if he did through his word, but he doesn't or what job we should work. But he tells us what his will for our lives is, and that is sanctification. Now, sanctification, I need to describe to you, um, is the process of being made holy. So my Bible has a footnote, and you all know by now that I love footnotes and cross-references. If your Bible has a footnote, go ahead and look at that footnote. Uh, mine are at the bottom. And the the other interpretation of sanctification there is your holiness. So Paul's saying that the will of God is your holiness. Well, sanctification is the process of being made holy. Um, the end goal of sanctification is to be established uh, in the Lord, having hearts that are blameless. And we saw that at the end of chapter 3. So if, if it's on the same page, it's easy for you. Just run back up to chapter 3, verse uh, 12 and 13. Actually, just 13 so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the end goal of sanctification, so that we understand what I'm talking about when I say sanctification, just a process of being made like Christ. So I, I do want to say this about God's will for your life, kind of going back to the beginning of verse 3. God is sovereign and omnipotent. So if you're wondering what God's will is for you and who you should marry or what job you should work, 
let me tell you that you can't be outside of God's sovereign will. And sovereignty and omnipotence go together. They just mean God's ability to do what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants, because he's God. Now, how he does those things is important. And Romans 8, 28 tells us that he does all things for the good of those who love him, for the good of those who are called to him. And everything that he does displays his glory. So, as we look at this verse, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, you'll notice that your sanctification is not mustered by your own power, that it's God's will, which means he does it. And this, this should really encourage us. I mean, we should be excited that God desires and wills for those who are in Christ to be made like Christ, to be made holy. I say that he does it, and I'm going to prove it to you, just make it plain for you if you don't believe me. Again, let's go back to chapter 3, verse 12. This is Paul speaking, but he's asking the Lord. He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God. And then... At the end of 1 Thessalonians, you turn the page over to the end of chapter 5, starting in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't feel so blameless every day. I sin. We all sin. We're in need of sanctification. We're in need of being made like Christ. So this promise that he will do it should be incredible because there are days that I don't even feel worthy to be called and yet he's promised that he will complete the work that he started. Philippians 1.6, right? And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So again, as we see in, at the end of chapter 5, may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Because you can't muster it up, my friends. You can't muster up faith on your own. You can't work your own salvation. You can't obtain your own righteousness. And you can't sanctify yourself. You can't make yourself holy. If any of us could, we wouldn't need Christ. The cross would be meaningless if we could obtain any of this on our own. You can't do it. It's the Lord who does it. So what is it for? What exactly is it? I've, I've explained a little bit to you. But let's, let's skip over to the next book, the next letter, 2 Thessalonians. We'll start in verse uh, 13 of chapter 2. And we'll look at the importance of sanctification, who does it, and why it is. Starting in verse 13 of chapter 2. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Now this, this language should remind us of First Thessalonians as well, as we work our way through it, that Paul is consistently thanking God for what he's done in believers' lives. So again, Paul is speaking to believers here. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you 
as the first fruits to be saved. How does he choose us to be saved? Through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Now, belief in the truth is belief that Jesus is God's Son, that he is truly God and truly man, that he lived a perfect life, obtained righteousness according to the law. That's why when he says in Matthew 5 that not a part of the law will go away until it's accomplished, he, he did it perfectly. He, he is the righteousness of God, and he obtained in his human nature the righteousness of God so that he gives that righteousness to us because we can't obtain that for ourselves either. So this belief in the truth that he has died been resurrected by the Spirit and sits at the right hand of God is the truth to which you must believe to be saved. But notice that Paul has an and right before that. So this is only one part. To be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So before you string me up for saying that you have to have something other than belief, hear me out on this. Sanctification is guaranteed by Christ. If you believe in the truth and you are found in Christ, you will be sanctified. There's no need to be concerned about there being a process to being made holy or being saved as a process of living out what he has commanded us to to live. And we'll see why we shouldn't be concerned about that in a second. But if you believe, it will happen. He will accomplish it. For his glory and for your good. He promises that in many places in scripture. Um, So why then do we need to be sanctified? Well, because we're not holy. I think that should be pretty clear to most of us. I've confessed already this morning I'm a sinner. I need the Lord. Um, But let's look at scripture and what God has said in his word. Isaiah 64, you don't have to turn there. I've got a couple of these I'm just going to run through for us. Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. So the best thing we can do without Christ is but filthy garment, polluted garment before the Lord. So how much more are we if If the best things that we can do before the Lord without Christ are worthless, then we ourselves in our natural state are also not much better. But in Christ, he makes us new. He sanctifies us. He makes us like himself. And he gives us good works to do. And if we do them through him, because he is perfect and holy and righteous, they are done for the glory of God. But if we don't do them through him, then it's at least in part for ourselves, which makes it pollute. 2.13, listen to me. This is the Lord speaking. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put my salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. He brings his righteousness to us. Because we can't obtain it. He gives it to us because we are dead in our trespasses and unable to even cry out for help. He has to open our eyes to the glory of Christ 
And then when you see Christ, what else can you choose? Because the worth and majesty of Christ is all we should desire. And if we see him truly, we want him truly. And if we believe, as Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, we will be sanctified. So going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 then, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So notice this. This is how, this is how God works salvation in our lives. These are, these are fruits as we spend time with Christ and we pray and we read his word and we long for him, the fruits that, that Dakota talked about last week, how we please God, this is what comes about in our life and this is how we know that we're being sanctified. We control our own body in holiness and honor. We abstain from sexual immorality and we don't look like those who don't know God. If you don't know God, you have no control. That's what this text is insinuating. Passion and lust insinuates no control over your emotions or your body. So to control your body like that of the Gentiles, Paul is saying, you don't know God, you're not going to be able to do any of this. This is hopeless for those who are outside of Christ. So I want to leave. I know this is really quick. I've not said everything I planned on saying, so I know that the Lord has decided otherwise this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, is what I want to finish on. Here's the assurance of your sanctification if you're in Christ. And there's a mystery in it as well. Verse 14, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So the language here, if you notice it, speaks of one act at one point in time done by Christ for those who are being sanctified. So he, the author of Hebrews is saying those who are being sanctified are already sanctified. This is a mystery, and you'll hear a lot of theologians uh, say this phrase, already but not yet. So it is guaranteed that for those who are in Christ, you will find when you stand before him that you are perfected, that you are made like him. But right now you are being perfected. The mystery of, of already and not yet. Um, another Another guarantee of this is First uh, Thessalonians chapter five that we already looked at, but we didn't go as far. Uh, verse twenty-four. I want to start in verse twenty-three again. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful; he will surely do it. So we should be encouraged and rejoice if we're in Christ and we love Christ. We know that he will make us like Christ. But how does he do that? And 
I think last, last week's message and this week's message should go hand in hand. So if you weren't here, go back and listen to it. It would be very helpful. Um, Dakota talked about how we please God or how we walk in a way that is worthy. Those things sound so high and lofty and far off, and they should because, again, we can't do it. We can't please God. As Dakota pointed out, Jesus is the only one who truly pleases God. So how are we to please God then? By walking in Christ, by walking with Christ, by looking to him, studying his word, praying, loving, obeying, desiring to know who he is, how he loves, the grace that he gives. And it's the same with the process of sanctification. They go hand in hand. They're tied together. As you do those things, looking to him for everything throughout the day, peace, joy, as you pray, as you study his word to find out who he is, you will be made like him, which means you will be sanctified. And if you are not sanctified, you will not be in heaven. If you are not made like Christ, you will not see Christ. John Owen an old Puritan from the 1600s talks about the glory of Christ in a book entitled The Glory of Christ. I would recommend this book if you want to read. Um, he says that for those who are not seeking the glory of Christ now, you will not experience the glory of Christ in heaven, which means you will be under the wrath of God. Because if you're not being prepared for the glory of Christ now, you will not even like heaven. Because heaven is about the glory of Christ. Heaven is made to display the glory of Christ. So if you don't desire the glory of Christ now, you won't enjoy heaven at all. And you won't be in heaven at all. So we must, we must go to his word and desire him. And I think Matthew 7, as Dakota pointed out towards the end of last week, seek and knock and it will be given to you. And, and I would plead with you now, if you don't know him, um, the author of Hebrews writes, if today you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Seek him, ask for him. Don't, don't be distressed if you don't know him. Ask, plead that you would know him more. And if, if you feel as though you can't understand his word or you struggle to study, to see his glory, ask and go slowly and ask and seek and desire Dakota said it last week, and I'll say it again. It's about how much you want to know. How bad do you want to know him? If you don't want to know him now, you won't care to enjoy him there. That's what heaven is, is enjoying Christ. And we must be sanctified. And for those who are in Christ, it is the will of God to sanctify us. So we must look to Christ to be sanctified. It's always all about Christ. You're not going to ever hear me or Dakota say that you can do any of this on your own. That's impossible. If he could, he wouldn't have come. But we need him desperately. That's why the amazing grace of God was shown on a cross. That he would take the wrath and then make us like him is amazing. Let's pray and then we'll spend time in prayer amongst ourselves and we'll sing and be dismissed. Father, your word is true.
word is perfect. And your word is a rock, steady, a foundation that we can trust. You have said, for those that are in Christ, you will sanctify us and make us like him. So we ask that you would give us a longing desire to know him. To search him out and to be like him. And as we search, Lord, we ask that you would fulfill your word. And we know that you will, that you would show him to us, that you would give him to us as we seek for him truly. That we would be in awe of his glory and his worth. And that we would desire more and more that his glory and his majesty would burn in our hearts a desire that wants nothing but him to throw off all the things of the world and count them all as rubbish. Lord, cause your word to affect your people. Though this was short, your word does not return to you void. So we trust in that this morning. Only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take some time uh, to pray and to think about God's word, and then we'll sing and be dismissed.